I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 300. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I love Christmas. I love the lights and the decorations and the parties and the food and most of all, the amazing reason why we celebrate anything at all, the story of the birth of Christ. And have you been a longtime listener? I mean, if so, can you believe I'm on episode 300? Some of you have been with me since the beginning, and so I want to take just this brief moment to say Thank you. And I also recently jumped over the peak of a million downloads as well. I can't believe it. And God keeps showing up every week. I mean, of course he does. His word is living and active and will never come to the end of discovering his greatness. And so we enter a season with a practice that I have maintained since the beginning of this podcast. We are going to use the next four weeks to use Christmas music to lead us to scripture. And so as we get started this week, let's peek into Casting Crown's song, It's Finally Christmas. Actually, I was most inspired by the end. Let's listen. Daddy breaks out the Bible. And brings it all back home We gather to remember The greatest story ever told How a father sent his only son To be our only home What the world's been missing Is that Jesus is the reason That it's finally Christmas And that's exactly what we're going to do this week. We are going to break out the Bible and gather to remember the greatest story ever told, that Jesus is the reason that it's finally Christmas. And this will be the foundational effort we will make as we head into the next three songs. One of the things that I don't like about the podcast is the structure, the way the structure that I have it means that I often hop around scripture a bit. And I hope what happens actually is that you really get into a section of scripture and just ditch the podcast for a few weeks and just stay in one place long enough to let it all sink in. But during the Christmas season, I've actually designed it for us to stay in the Christmas story and use the the value of repetition to help us learn as much as we can. So if you're familiar with the scriptures that tell us about the birth of Christ, then you already know that the traditional story that you may see in plays or hear in songs is really pieced together from a few different sources. We're going to try to hit the big, uh, at least the big two, the, the specifically the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke, those two, uh, 
Gospels carry most of the information that we traditionally understand is in the Christmas story. Uh, And as you read these sections of scripture on your own this week, I want you to use the bite of making observations. And it would be even better if you would write those observations down. Now, BITE is just an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, by the way. I use these exercises to keep my time in God's Word varied. And to be honest, when you actually interact with God's Word rather than merely reading it, it or just, just reading it, it'll come to life for you in ways you've never experienced before. Now, read these areas of scripture with the idea of making observations. And I go ahead and I'm just going to give you permission. Go ahead and write down the obvious. Sometimes the obvious leads to the not so obvious. And that is what happened to me this week. And I can't wait to share all that with you. But use what you've written down as your launching point to dig in a little further. Follow some cross-references. That's another bite. Maybe even discuss it with a friend. That's another bite. This is the perfect story to talk about with someone else, even if you're talking with a non-believer. Hey, I've been reading the Bible lately, and because it's Christmas, I decided to read the Christmas story. Did you know that? Blah, 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 right? Whatever you decide, to, or whatever you discover on your own, and uh, have a good conversation with someone. Also, let's go ahead and start in the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew starts out this way in verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it proceeds to go through a list of names. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and and the genealogy actually ends like this. So there's this big, long list of names, and then in verse 17, it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon. 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, I want to come back to this genealogy in a little bit, but I want to let you know where you, that uh, that you need to, here is where you need to read and keep on reading. That's another bite, by the way. Read and keep on reading to take in the whole story. So don't start with chapter one or read it one section at a time. Go ahead and read all the way through Matthew chapter one and two, and all the way through Luke chapter one and two. Um, maybe even check out Isaiah chapter nine for Verses one through seven, you're gonna you're gonna see some very familiar phrases there that do show up in some of our Christmas songs. And so, I'm not actually gonna read these sections of scripture to you here today on the podcast. So it's it's gonna be really important for you to read these chapters for yourself and make your own observations. I'm going to share with you some of my observations about the genealogy and some great content that I stumbled upon this week, and I want to let you know what else jumped out at me, though, right? So um, we're going to jump to the genealogy in a minute, but it just seemed pretty important for Matthew to let the reader know that Jesus's birth fulfilled several prophecies. So when I read and kept on reading in Matthew chapter one, I got past the genealogy, and then I moved into the rest of chapter one and chapter two. He said this phrase several times, just this idea that it was written by the prophets or this had been spoken by a prophet or this was fulfilled as it was spoken by a prophet over and over and over again. For example, in chapter one, verse 22, it says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then when you follow that cross-reference in verse 22 in your study Bible or um, online using a cross-reference tool, I like to use biblehub.com, B-I-B-L-E-H-U-B.com, it will lead you to Isaiah. 
Uh, chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 4 speaks of Herod assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, dot, dot, dot. And when you follow that cross-reference, you end up in Micah. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, Joseph, uh, Mary's husband Joseph, rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt to fulfill a prophecy found in Hosea. And then in chapter 2, verse 16, when Herod kills all of the boys age 2 and under, Scripture tells us, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And there's a quote there. And then finally, at the end of chapter 2, when Joseph brings his family back to Israel, Scripture says, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that it was so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Five direct references in the first two chapters of the details of Jesus's birth, fulfilling specific prophecies. That jumps out at me, and it's worth exploring, don't you think? So how exactly would you explore that from here on your own? Well, just merely follow those cross-references to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Hosea. Observe the context of these verses that we learn from Matthew are ultimately fulfilled in the story of the birth of Christ. I would think that the original hearers would not understand that they were necessarily messianic prophecies. Maybe they thought they were just going on as part of their story. So as you go to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Hosea, keep that in mind. Like, what would you think if you read this for the first time and Matthew hadn't told you that this was a direct fulfillment of that prophecy? Okay, uh, so and, and write down your observations as you go along there. You could also, as you continue to read this, uh, these stories in, or this, this account in Matthew and Luke, what else jumps out at you? Matthew spends a lot of time speaking of Joseph and his actions and dreams, while Luke recounts Mary and her inter- encounters with angels and such things. And Matthew speaks of the wise men, while Luke includes the shepherds, and many more details that you can observe either through what I was just doing, um, using the bite of compare and contrast, or just straight up observations. Just write it down. Hey, I never noticed that before, right? All right, so let's go back to what I learned this week about the genealogy. I'm going to put some links to some outside resources that I used uh, in the show notes. I watched a couple of videos, I read a few articles, downloaded some guides. Um, you can find this week's show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 300. And if you scroll all the way down to additional resources, that's where you'll find those links. And I have show notes for every episode, by the way, and they all work the same way. So um, you can use them in your future studies. Now, the first thing that jumps out at me when I'm looking at this genealogy, you know, the thing that most people skim through, that genealogy, (laughs) uh, I'm so excited that I found some of the resources to really help me uncover these things that I'm going to then share with you. But it's how it starts because Matthew, what Matthew included was on purpose for a purpose. So he starts out like this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, the names in this one verse are very important. First of all, the observation I told you about earlier, how Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Well, I was right on track, right? Jesus is fully God. Jesus, that's his name for his human name, right? And fully, I mean, human name is fully, is Jesus is fully man, fully God, Christ, Messiah. So it really makes sense that, his, that Matthew here would say he is Jesus Christ. Jesus, fully man, 
Christ Messiah. And then he goes on to say he's the son of David and the son of Abraham. So the other two names in this one verse are extremely important as well. Uh, Matthew from the first verse is tracing the lineage of Christ to the promises of God from ancient times. So the son of Abraham reminds us of the promise God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Matthew is beginning to guide the reader down the thought path that Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. The rescue plan finally coming to pass. The final answer to a promise made so long ago. Um, My pastor had a great sermon series one year where he was just like, is this the Messiah? Okay, Isaac, nope, nope, not Isaac. Is this the Messiah? Uh, Jacob, nope, nope, not Jacob. Okay, is this the Messiah? Joseph, nope, nope, not Joseph. And so you begin to see these like glimpses of a rescuer that just didn't end up being who people thought they were going to be. But Jesus was going to be the final answer. So that's the son of Abraham. Uh, The son of David refers to the kingship of Christ. This part is very important to Matthew. You will see him refer to Christ as the son of David a lot. And the point will be made time and time again so that the reader doesn't miss it. That Jesus is the son of David. He is a king. And a summary of the Davidic covenant can be found in 1 Chronicles. Nathan prophesies over David. This is just one of the places, actually, that it is recorded. But 1 Chronicles 17, verses 11 through 14 says this. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers. So again, this is Nathan speaking God's words over David. I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. So Matthew here is painting Jesus in this genealogy as a rightful heir to the throne and the ultimate fulfillment of covenant promises across all time. All right, so that's in verse one. (laughs) And another interesting thing in the genealogy uh, to point out is that it references four women. And generally, if you read or study genealogies, you'll find that that's generally not the case. They don't usually mention the ladies. And they're not just mentioning any women. They mention four foreign women. I love what the Bible Project says. I'm going to link to their resource um, I did link to their source resource in the show notes, and it points out this. Matthew could have highlighted Jesus's connection to Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, the matriarchs of Israel. But instead, he mentions Canaanites, prostitutes, and Moabite women who would be associated with Israel's sin and covenant failure. Of course, the men mentioned in this genealogy aren't sinless either. Some of them represent honorable men. Some are basically unknown, and some pursued evil like kids at the golden corral around the chocolate fountain. But all of these details are included to be noticed and pondered. 
And then finally, uh, what's the deal with the 14 generations between Abraham and David, David and the deportation, and the deportation to Christ, when clearly there are more than 14 generations over that time period? And maybe you haven't done the research to verify, but I did. There are some guys left out. And then I read another genealogy over here that includes different sons, and it can all just be so confusing. And this is where I didn't really know the answer. And based on my research here, which is consistent with other research that I've done, and so even though I'm only going to use one source today, it mimics or or echoes the resources, other resources that I've read. Um, The writer of Matthew, which we're only assuming was actually Matthew, I know, mind blown. But anyway, the writer of Matthew was using literary design to further make his point, which my grandfather would have thought was so cool. He loved numbers and what the numbers meant in the Bible and the significance of every little detail that God just weaves in. And I think it's um, just so cool. And I think sometimes we can you know, miss the forest because we get so much into the weeds. But I also think sometimes when you stop and ponder and consider all these details that you just see there's just more and more and more in the depth of purpose uh, to scripture and to the revelation that God has given men. But this is the tidbit I discovered on the Bible Project that pretty much sums up this whole um, 14 issue, the, the basic reason for the number 14. Okay, within the written language of Hebrew, The letters are also used as their numbers, and so each number is assigned a numerical value. That's crazy. Okay, but it's the name of David in Hebrew is, and it in this little thing that I'm reading you has three um, letters. Okay, and from here you just do the math. It says the numerical value of the first and third letter. I'm going to say this wrong. Called the Dalit, is the number four. The middle letter called Wa has a numerical value of six. So if you put that into your mental calculator, the the four plus six plus four equals 14, which will then become the numerical value of the name of David. Okay, so the numerical value of the name David, which is Dalit Wa Dalit, that's how you spell David in Hebrew, when you use, if you add those numbers up, if you make those letters numbers and add them up, it equals 14. All right, back to the text. Matthew has designed the genealogy, so it links Jesus to David explicitly and also in the very literary design of the list. In fact, Matthew wants to highlight this 14 equals David idea so much that he's intentionally left out multiple generations of the line of David, three to be exact, to make the numbers work. And it goes on to say that ancient genealogies were ways of making theological claims, and Matthew's readers would have understood exactly what he was doing and why, and they would also, they say, not have considered it scandalous to leave out um, whole generations of people just to make the numbers work. Okay, all of that is in the genealogy of Matthew. And we haven't even really gotten to the story of the birth yet. <laughs> and so I just, I wanted to share all of that with you because I thought it was so interesting and just a really great launching point. I'm hoping that will inspire you to read both stories. So uh, there's just so much to see and discover. I'm so glad we're staying in this story for a few more weeks. So what's next? Well, follow the Bible Interaction Tool exercise of repetition. I want you to read and reread the story of the birth of Christ in Matthew and Luke. 
Write down new observations each time you read. Follow some of those cross-references if you want to. Go read some of the stories of the ancestors of Christ. Familiarize yourself with the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenants to see if you can spot Jesus as their ultimate fulfillment. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently like Cliff from Colorado, Linda from Massachusetts, Callie from Iowa, George from Brazil or Jorge maybe, and Kim from Iowa. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week, and in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out if you'd like. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources that I create for my episodes from time to time, and all of that is my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This not only encourages me, of course, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast on my website through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using The Name of Emmanuel by Matt Redman to continue to dive deeper into the Christmas story. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 300. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.